You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome here in the building. Welcome online with us as well. Um, I do want to make one quick announcement. Uh, last Sunday night we had um, a new elder meet and greet, and so if you were here, you got to hear the hearts of uh, the four elders that are being recommended for your approval. And uh, so out on the welcome center is uh, this ballot, and we would love for you to take a moment. It's in it's uh, guest services. Take a moment, and whether you're uh, a member here or an attender here, we'd love to hear from you, and you can vote on all four of these. This is not like a rank and order or one or the other. Uh, You're voting yes or no for all four of them. So I hope that you'll do that uh, with us as well. And you should have the ballot as well in your email. Uh, You can go and do that online if you'd rather do it that way. Um, So, well, happy Labor Day to you guys. Uh, School's already started, right, for for everybody. Um, So um, one of the things that I like to do on this first Sunday in September is uh, before we jump into Psalm 100, uh, if you've got your Bible, you can find that. Uh, before we jump into that, I'd like to kind of give you kind of a state of the church address. Uh, real quick, just kind of let you know how we're doing as a church, where we are uh, in some metrics that I think are important for us to look at. And so let me run through those real quick. We won't spend a lot of time with them, but let me talk about financially first as a church. We're, we're doing very well financially. Uh, we are at 97% giving to budget uh, at this point. Uh, in the year, which means that we are 97% of where we need to be right now, so only 3% behind. And I'm not super concerned about that because as we go into the last quarter, uh, that's usually the the, the best uh, quarter financially for the church anyway. So we've made it through the summer at 97%. That's great news. Um, we have... Um, you guys have given to the big give. We set a goal of $100,000, and you guys up to this point have given $123,745, so far exceeded the, the goal that we set. And all of those funds, all 123000 of those funds go out of here, straight in and out, <clears throat> to bless our community, bless the, bless the people of Nicaragua, bless our schools, bless Thrive. All those funds go straight out of here, so uh, you can continue to give in that way too. Uh, through the summer... Um, our average attendance um, between our two services uh, for the summer has been 345, uh, which is a great, great number considering that um, it's been the summer. Um, Pre-COVID, we were creeping up on 500, uh, and then, of course, when the pandemic hit, it was like starting all over again, Um, and we've seen those numbers rise all the way through these last few years, and especially this last year. And as I think about the summer being 345, I wonder what the fall is going to look like. It's going to be really cool. Family ministry, last weekend uh, in kids ministry, we had 59 kids last weekend. Um, And again, uh, pre-COVID, we were at about 80 to 90. So you can kind of see how those numbers are increasing. Our student ministry, 45 students at student ministry. Young adults, 30 young adults. Um, really cool things. And now those are metrics that I think uh, we kind of 
mistakenly point out as the important metrics. Uh, pastors and staff and church leadership, and they kind of look at three main, main areas. They look at buildings, budgets, and butts, okay? And uh, I don't, you know, those are important metrics. We should look at them, um, buildings, budgets, and butts, but they're not the most important three metrics. Here are some really great metrics that you might want to know. Last spring, for in, in our groups, people that are seeking out community in our groups, uh, the peak number of attendance, not just people in groups, but on a given week, we had 225 people accounted for in groups. That's a great metric to look at. Connect cards. So we've had, uh, up to this point of this year, we've had 80 connect cards filled out. That means 80 different guests filled out a connect card, and that doesn't include maybe a spouse or kids or anything like that. That's 80 Connect cards. That's incredible. We've had 29 baptisms this year so far. It's an incredible metric to look at. Um, 43 different people have started the process of joining one of our serve teams this year. That's a great metric to look at. And we've had 25 new members or 25 people who have joined the church this year as well. Missions we sent 27 people to Nicaragua, and we had 103 people serving with us during Serve Week. Those are, those are important metrics. And so I just want to share with you that Crossroads is doing fantastic, uh, and it's, um, you know, God has his hand on us as a church. You guys are so incredible. You, you serve, you give, you're generous, you're open-handed to so many things. And so uh, I, I thank you, but most, most importantly, we thank God for what he's doing here in this church, right? Let's give him a hand for all that he's doing. All right, let's jump into Psalm 100 real quick, and I am going to kind of go through this pretty quick with you today because I wanted to do that at the beginning. But let me ask you this question as we look at Psalm 100. If you could live your whole life over again, what would you do differently? If you could live your whole life over again, what would you do differently? Some of you might say, nothing. And I don't think that's an honest answer, do you? Some of you might say, everything. <laughs> I'm not sure that's an honest answer either. But what would you say if you could live your whole life over again? Would you say things like, I wrote down a few, just kind of looking them up. I would have taken better care of my health. I would have managed my money better. I would have spent more time with my family. I would have had more fun. I would have taken more risks. That's the number one thing that people say. I would have taken more risks. I, would have, I wouldn't have dated that person. Uh, I would have kept my mouth shut more. Anybody? Anybody in the room? I would do more things that outlive me. I would make sure that my life counts. I would not have done this particular thing. Now, let me ask you, in a different way. If you were a believer in Jesus Christ, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, if you could live your life all over again, what would you do differently? Would you pray less? Would you read your Bible less? Would you love God less? Would you obey God less? Would you help people less? I don't think anybody would say those things. In fact, I've been to a lot of deathbeds and I've never heard anybody say, you know what I regret more than anything? I prayed a whole lot. You know, I, I just help people a, a, a ton, and I really regret that. I just worship God way too much, and I really regret that I did that. So no matter what you're thinking of right now, what you would say I would do all over again, let's let God clean all of that up. Um, 
Whatever regret maybe you're thinking of, let him clean it up, and he will, right? He will. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse us from all of those things that maybe you're thinking about right now that you truly, truly regret. But Psalm 100 helps us set the tone for our life going forward, from this day forward. Here are some things that we're going to do. This is the way that we're going to live our life. This is the way that we're going to respond to God. And they're very simple things. They're worship, serve, know, and thank. Worship, serve, know, and thank. I've given them all to you. Now, Psalm 100, it's believed that this psalm was used in ancient times as people would approach the temple they would sing this song. They would quote these words as they would come closer to the, to the place where they would worship God and bring their sacrifices. When they would come to the temple, they would, they would sing these words. Can you imagine that? As you came up to the building today, what was going on as you were walking up to the building today? Were you quoting Psalm 100? Were you thinking about these things? Or were you, you know, trying to get over an argument with your spouse? Uh, you know, were you trying not to spill your coffee? <laughs> were you trying to get in here really quick because you're running late? You know, what were you doing as you were coming in here? In ancient times, they would quote this psalm as they were approaching the temple. And it says this in Psalm 100. And you've been memorizing the front side. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever, and His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's Psalm 100. That would be said as people would approach the temple, and it teaches us so much. There are these four responses that we can decide and make today that can change our life going forward. The first one is this. We see it here. Worship God with joy. Worship God with joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, it says. And then a little bit later in verse 2, it says, come before him with joyful songs. You know, we all worship something, don't we? We all worship something. We are bombarded every day with things that we think are worthy of our worship. In fact, the, one of the goals of the enemy is to, to place in our lives things that seem so worthy of our worship. Things that will, you know, he, he redirects. These things redirect our passions and our, our worship and our desires. And the enemy does these things to us on purpose. And these things are not worthy of our worship. Only God is worthy of our worship. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy. Shout for joy. At least 17, maybe 18 times, depending on how you count it in the Bible, we're told to shout or to make a, a noise of joy unto the Lord. What does, that, what does that mean? Well, again, in ancient times, it was customary as people would come into the presence of the king or the king would walk by them that the subjects would shout in victory, right? They would shout. It was their way of expressing that our king is, is strong and we are victorious because of him. One example is First Samuel where the Philistines are fighting with the Israelites and there's this crucial time or this crucial point in the battle between the Philistines and the Israelites where the Israelites ask for their, 
um, the Ark of the Covenant back. They wanted it back in their camp. And that Ark of the Covenant was a, a symbol or represented the very presence of God. And so they say, we want, we want the Ark of the Covenant. We want the presence of God back in our camps, in our camp. And so as they bring the Ark of the Covenant back in, this is what it says. It says, when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. And the Philistines said, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And then they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp because it signified the presence of their king and the presence of their Lord. And so they shouted for joy. We need to shout for joy to the Lord. Amen? There's always been, I think, for thousands of years, a group of religious people who say, no, 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 shh. That's not the way we do it. Be quiet. Take your hat off. You're in the house of God. Ever heard that before? You're in the house of God. Let me tell you, this is not the house of God. God lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. And so when you're in the presence of God, you can't help but shout for joy to Him and sing songs of, of joy. Some will say, well, I don't like that style. Well, God likes that style. <laughs> God likes that style. He says, I, I want you to celebrate me. I want you to, I want you to get a little crazy. I want you to, to shout for joy. When, when I show up, I want people to celebrate and say, he's here. He is here. Well, what does that look like? I've, I've thought about that a lot this week. I've thought about football teams coming out the chute. I've thought about, I've thought about baseball teams running out of, the, out of the dugout. I've thought about artists stepping out on the stage. If you've ever been in any of those situations, have you ever heard that roar that happens? you know, as people celebrate, they're here, and they, and they shout for, for joy. Well, God's looking for people to get excited about Him. Can I just say something based on Psalm 100? I think that low-key, no-noise praise does nothing but protect our egos. Someone's going to be looking at me if I, if I act like that, but God deserves that kind of worship. He deserves it. And I get it. It's a journey. I, this, you know, it's a journey, and uh, I, I grew up in churches that were very quiet and didn't shout for joy, and you were, you were told to be quiet and sit in your chair and shut your mouth and all of that stuff, um, and so it's been, a, it's been a journey for me, but man, it's so freeing when you just shout for joy to the Lord, so freeing. We make excuses. I thought of a few of those this week. I'm not a good singer. I don't, I don't sing because I'm not a good singer. Well, if you're not a good singer, sing louder, and that will encourage other people around you to sing louder <laughs> to drown you out, and that's a good thing, okay? I, I'm not a good singer, we say. My wife says that all the time. I'm not a good singer. Well, let me very respectfully and tenderly say to you, get over it, okay? Get over it. The Lord Almighty gave you that voice, and that voice is good enough to make a joyful noise to Him. Number two, we say, I just don't feel like it. And I, and I understand that. There are times when we just don't feel like it. We have bad seasons, bad weeks, bad days, bad months, whatever. And then it becomes like an act of will for us. And the times that I've learned in my life, it's like when I don't feel like it and I do it, God honors it. How many times have you woken up in the morning, maybe on a Sunday morning and said, like, I just don't feel like going to church today. But then you go ahead and do it anyway, and it's like God speaks directly to you. I, I've just learned that in times of my life, when I don't feel like doing it, 
then God's got something pretty special for me. And so I do it. I do it. A third excuse would, would be something uh, like this. Well, I'm not the emotional type. I'm not the emotional type. And I understand this one because I'm not super emotional either. But as a non-emotional person, if you teed up on a par three, let's just say, let's say you teed up on a par three and you hit it <laughs> and you see that ball just like going up the green and then disappearing in the hole, you see, or, or you see, say you go to a Taylor Swift concert or something and she gives you front row seats as a surprise. Or your kid hits a home run in the baseball game or kicks the winning soccer goal in the match. I've learned that's what you call it, a match. Um, you know, if that happens, are you just like, oh, that's really nice. That's really nice. I mean, you're going to jump three feet off the ground. You're going to scream. You're going to shout. You're going to celebrate. You're going to tell everybody about it. I, I'm, I'm just saying, God's not, God's not too excited about secret admirers. He likes to be told out loud that you love him, that you love him. Worship God joyfully. Shout for joy. Number two, serve God gladly. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So singing joyfully is great. That's the first response when we come into the presence of our King, but we also must serve Him gladly. I think we respond with our emotions, but we also respond with our motion, right? It, living it out, having a lifestyle that shows that we worship the King is so important. I don't know if you've ever served the Lord and moaned about it before, have you? okay, well, I guess I'll go in there and make the coffee today. No one else will do it. You know, all right, I'll, I'll show up early. I'll unlock the doors. I'll, 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 I'll put these chairs away. I'll do it because nobody else is going to do it. Anybody ever been there besides me? <laughs> okay. There, there was a, a woman in the New Testament that was very much like that. You know who it was? Martha. Martha. Remember what her sister's name was? Mary. And she comes to Jesus in Luke 10, and she's complaining about serving and, you know, paraphrasing here. She says, Lord, how come I'm the only one doing the work around here, and you're letting Mary get away with it? She's just sitting at your feet. Remember, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you've been distracted by many things, but Mary has chosen the better part or the better way, which will not be taken from her. Why do you say that? I think for a multitude of reasons, but I think one of them is because worshiping is a lot better than whining. It's a lot better than whining. Serve the Lord with gladness. How about Jonah? Jonah, who, you know, was told by God to go to Nineveh. Did he say, okay, that sounds good. I'll go, I'll go do that. No, he, he didn't do that at all. He, he runs the opposite direction. He takes a princess cruise to Portugal. I mean, the opposite way of where God wants him to go. And you know why he didn't want to go? Because he couldn't stand the thought of of God being merciful and gracious to the people that he couldn't stand. Forgiving people that he, that he hated, the Ninevites. And so he did it. He complained about it. It was out of duty. He finally did it after a big fish spits him up on the shoreline. If you're going to serve God, do it with gladness. Not with sadness, not with complaining, not with moaning, but with gladness, with joy, God wants whatever we do for Him to be done with gladness. And that goes for every single activity of our life. In fact, one verse that might be familiar to you is God loves a cheerful giver. 
God loves a, in fact, the Greek word there means hilarious giver. Hilarious giver. Some Christians just need to tell their face that they love Jesus. You know, just, you just do. So serve the Lord gladly, and it is amazing advertisement. Uh, there's nothing more infectious than a person who, who, who loves the Lord and, and serves Him with genuine joy. Number three, I told you we'd go kind of fast. Know God intelligently. Verse three, know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. So what's the first word of verse three? Know. What does the word know mean? Well, it means what you think it means, to perceive something with understanding. I believe Christians should be great thinkers. I believe Christians should be people who exercise their, their minds. Our minds matter to God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, all of your strength. Your mind is important. Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hosea 1, 6 the Lord says, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Second Peter 3.18, Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God wants us to engage our minds, to think deeply about spiritual things. And I think a lot of people just think that Christians check their brains at the door. But we're supposed to use our brains and love God intelligently. What, is, what are we supposed to know here? Well, it tells us, know that the Lord is God. So know that He is God. Know that He is God, and that's so much deeper than we could ever talk about today. He is God. Paraphrase that. He's God. We're not God. Right? So know that He is God. What else should we know? It says right here, it is He who made us. It is He who made us. He is our Creator. He is a Creator. Know that the Lord, He is God. He, it is He who made us. You are an act of creation. You're a special creation of God. The human body itself is so incredible, so incredible God created even our brains with 100 billion, 100 billion cells in them all performing very complex activities. Our skin, right, has 2 million tiny sweat glands on them that regulate our temperature, whether we're in Alaska or Nicaragua. Our heart is such a good pump that it could pump through the arteries and then return through the veins Blood traveling some 168 million miles every day. God created that. Know that it is He who made you. You are not a human accident. You are a divine incident. You are created by God, by God, for a purpose. Know that He made you. Know that He is God. Know that it is He who made us. And then third, know that we are His. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. We are His in two ways, really. Well, one if, you're, one, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, and two, if you are. One, just by act of creation, He created you, so you are His. You are His. You belong to Him. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are His by another means, through redemption. He purchased you. He paid a hefty price for you. His very own Son, Jesus Christ, you were his by that as well. So know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So, fourth and last as the worship team comes, thank God continually. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving, it says, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Again, can you picture people walking into the the gates of the temple and then the inner courts of the temple and then the temple itself? And what are we to be thankful for as we approach the temple? What are we to be thankful for in our lives? Well, he gives three things here. Number one, he's good. He's good. Know that the Lord is good. So whether you've had a good week or a bad week or whatever your week is like, the Lord is good, and we thank Him for that. Thank you because you're good. That's His character. That's His nature. He's good. Number two, we thank Him because His love endures. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. That's great news, isn't it? His love never runs out. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow. And number three, he's faithful. Give thanks and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He will never fail you. When everyone else fails you, when everyone else walks away from you, when everyone else gives up on you, when everyone else cheats on you, he is faithful, faithful, faithful from generation to generation. And I know it's, listen, I know it's way more fun to complain And it's way more enjoyable to whine, but our hearts change and our perspective changes when we give thanks to Him. We give thanks to Him. So, two questions today. If you could live your life all over again, what would you do differently? And if it's any of these four responses to God, then start today. Start today. Worship. Serve. Know and thank. Worship, serve, know, and thank. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your incredible love for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness that continues from generation to generation. We thank you that you are good. Lord, we worship you. We worship you with shouts of joy. We worship you in ways that will make people around us think we're nuts. But we can't help it. When we come into the presence of God, we shout for victory. We shout for joy. Lord, we serve you with gladness. Many of us are serving in our communities, serving in our church, serving in our workplaces, and oftentimes we We don't do that with gladness, but Lord, change our heart to do those things as if we're doing them for you. Help us to serve our our wives, our husbands, our kids, our families, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, help us to know you with our minds, to go deeper, to seek out the spiritual truths, to understand them, to know that you are God, to know that it is you who made us, that you are creator, to know that we are yours, that we belong to you just by creation alone, but also through the redemption of your sacrifice for us, your son who paid a high price for us. And Lord, we thank you. Now as we worship together over these next few moments, 
Lord, even if we look undignified, that we would do it for you, that we would shout for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.